Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Okay, good morning. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1 at verse 26. And for the next um, few Sundays, I'm going to be doing some lessons on the Incarnation. Uh, This Sunday, and then next Sunday for Sunday school, we'll have Joel Linton. Uh, Our missionary to Taiwan is going to... to, um, join us via live stream, and so he will speak to us about his work that he's doing in Taiwan next Sunday, and then we'll have two Sundays before um, Christmas Day, which is on Sunday this year, and uh, we won't have Sunday school that day, so, um, so we'll have two more lessons on the Incarnation after this one. Uh, I don't know what those will focus on, but I do know what today's is focusing on, so there you have it. But let's, um, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into this. Our Father, we are thankful to be in your house this morning, thankful to be able to meditate on those things that are above and eternal and good and right and true. Father, we're thankful for the work of your Son. We are especially thankful that he obeyed you in your command for him to um, humble himself, be born of a woman, live under the law, suffer humiliation uh, at the hands of men, be crucified, die, and be buried. All that humiliation that he went through that we might know righteousness, that we might know eternal rest. Father, that we might be able to approach you clothed in his righteousness. Father, without, without this work of your son, we would be lost. And so we give you a pr- praise and we will give you eternal praise uh, for the redemption that that Christ won for us. And Father, we um, are thankful that death could not hold Christ, and that he rose from the, the dead, he defeated death, he ascended, he sits to your right hand in session, and he will come again to judge the nations and peoples of the earth. And Father, in all of that, he uh, is glorified. And so, Father, we anticipate those things. In that time, I pray that we would be ready for his appearing, that we would make ourselves ready by believing your gospel and by laboring um, to do the work that you have called us to do and to be holy as you are holy. So, Father, bless us this day as we think about your incarnation and as we enter into worship Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a lesson that I'm calling the Incarnation and Abortion. 
And there are a few key things that I've pulled out of the Evangel Presbytery book that was published on the topic of abortion that I want to emphasize and that I want to lodge in your brains for um, future encouragement and future help. There were four of us out at the abortion clinic uh, yesterday morning, and it is humbling work. It's humiliating because um, those who are there have taken to just mocking uh, Christians who are out there, the escorts. I assume they're paid by the clinic. They, they certainly wouldn't be that faithful if they weren't getting some sort of benefit from it. And they're there, uh, they're there usually when we go out there and they just get in our faces and mock us and mock God and mock Jesus. And um, it's hard to endure. Uh, on the other hand, you know, this, this is the Christian life and this is what Jesus told us would happen if we were faithful, that we would um, that we're blessed if we are insulted f for the, our faith in Christ and our belief in Jesus Christ. And so, in some ways, they're, they're heaping blessings on us by doing what they're doing, and we can go away very much encouraged that we were considered worthy of being condemned for our faith in Christ. Um, you know, and, and so, um, if you... If you feel dull in your faith, if you feel uh, like, you know, you're just going through the motions, come out there on a Saturday morning and you'll have to own your faith uh, because you'll be mocked for it. Now, that's not for everybody. Um, if you're weak in the faith, you should not go. And most of the time I go out there, I feel weak in the faith. And it's almost debilitating to be, uh, to be mocked like that. But if you're weak in the faith, don't go. Uh, it will not be helpful to you. But we need people who are strong in the faith to be there in order to encourage uh, faithfulness in, in, a, in a difficult thing. Uh, that's the strength of the church, right, is the fellowship of the church. The fellowship of the church as we complete what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And one of the things that's lacking in the sufferings of Christ is all through the ages, his people will be mocked for their faith, as Jesus was mocked. And, um, and yet, Jesus did it forsaken by all of his men, and ultimately forsaken even by his Father on the cross. And we need we doubly need some source of encouragement to continue on in doing that work. And encouragement comes through, uh, through numbers and through sharing the suffering. And um, you don't even have to engage because to engage with fools is to, um, is to be foolish. Right? Their arguments are not arguments. They're just mocking. Right, and so you don't answer the fool according to his folly, and so you be you have to silently take insults, as our Lord did. Like a sheep before his shearers is silent, um, 
and it's, it's humiliating, right? And that humiliation is good for us. It humbles us and causes us to depend upon Christ and uh, to really contemplate what's at the core of our faith. So another observation from out at the clinic, there are two kinds of people there. There are atheist, secularist scoffers. That's one group that is compelled to come down to the abortion clinic. And, there, and then there are Christians. Christians, and I'm using a very broad definition of Christian, right? There are Christians who are there to um, witness to those who are going in and warn them that what they're about to do is to murder a child, a person is to ignore the personhood of the baby in the womb and, and, and destroy it. What you won't find out there are any Hindus. You won't find any Buddhists. You will not find any Muslims. You will not find anybody out there except for atheists and Christians. Atheists are there to protect their love of death. Christians are there to to announce to the world that life is, um, that, and I don't want to say life is sacred. Um, I think that's the wrong thing to say, right? We don't, um, um, what, what, I want to, what I want to say is God has, shown us the dignity of the baby in the womb because Jesus was a baby in the womb. Jesus was God Almighty, the Son of God, was a baby in the womb. And you have to contemplate that fact. Um, one of the, Bavink, as I was reading on the Incarnation, said, said this, which I found very helpful. He said, Christ occupies a very different place than the Buddha or Zarathustra and Muhammad do in their respective religions. Christ is not the teacher, he's not the founder, but he's the content of Christianity. Does that make sense to you? Right? Muhammad was, was, was a teacher, you know, and he wrote down his things to be a teacher. And, um, you know, Buddha had uh, his way to enlightenment, and uh, Christ certainly taught. Um, he, he, in a sense, we could say he founded the church, but <laughs> Christ is the core of the Christian faith. We worship him because he was and is and ever shall be God. Okay, and so immediately that explains why Buddhists and Muslims wouldn't be there because they have, no, they have no vested interest in a baby in the womb, right? We do because Christ, our Savior, who is God, was in the womb, really there. The person of Jesus Christ took on the flesh and and got his humanity from an actual woman, a human being. And, and so, uh, 
is so the reason that you only see Christians out there is because Christ was in the womb. Is because Christ dignified our bodies, our beings by taking on the flesh. Um, the other the other religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, um, have little regard for human life. Uh, the incarnation of Christ is denied by these religions, right? Very specifically in some cases. But we believe that Jesus took on the flesh. And um, <clears throat> now... And so that's only one of the reasons why we go out to the, the clinic, but it may be a reason that you haven't thought of before, right? We, we, wanna, we go out because often because we have a conviction that man is created in the image of God, and so the, the, one, the one in the womb is bearing the image of God, and to snuff out the life of one bearing the image of God is, is murder, right? Genesis 9. It's murder, but we, don't, but we don't often think about the fact that the one who was the image of the invisible God, the one who perfectly imaged God, was in the womb as a man, as the God-man, right? And so um, we could go out to the abortion clinic because of the, the history of the Christian church, you know, the example that is always given is that during Roman times when children were exposed on the hillsides to be uh, killed because they, they, um, their parents had abandoned them, Christians went and, and rescued those children off the hillsides that were exposed and were dying. And so our, our history informs us that we should uh, follow along in this. And a simple love of neighbor no matter how small the neighbor is, would inform us that we should go out and we should care for those who are in the womb. But it's really hard, isn't it, to care for people you don't see. It's really hard to... to and, 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 about the, and it's, it's hard for, for anybody who hasn't been pregnant to care for those who they don't see. At least women who have been pregnant know what it feels like to have even a weak old baby in the womb, right? It may just be nausea at that point that they're feeling, but there is some response that they're responding physically to a living being that God has, um, has allowed to, um, to grow in their womb. But, but the incarnation of Christ is one of the reasons we are there. And, and, uh, and so that's what I want us to put our uh, minds on today. And so let's, let's look at Luke 1, verse 26. And I'll read, to, uh, I'll read to 45. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the, the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And so, to return back to the point that I made earlier, it's very hard for us to love and to be committed to and to give um, and to do good works in response to those people that we can't see. Um, those little ones in the womb. It's especially difficult for us to love and be responsive to and consider a one-day-old embryo or a three-day-old embryo or a one-week-old embryo. Even though that embryo in every science book is, you know, an independent zygote with its own genetic material, right? It's, you know, a, a combination of the the mother and father, and yet it's its own, um, its own distinguished life, and yet we we don't see any of that. And then couple that with the fact that, as a society, there's been a conspiracy theory for um, to hide and to befoul and to confuse the issue of what pregnancy is, right? And this is just something that you have to keep in mind, that um, there is a difference between contraceptives and birth control, okay? What, what is the difference between a contraceptive and birth control? 
Well, contraception stops conception, right? Birth control stops a birth, but is not contraceptive necessarily, right? And so, again, I, 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 I bring this up not to, not to, um, not to rub your face in guilt if you've ever used the pill. Um, there's forgiveness in the Lord, but the fact of the matter is, is the contraceptives like the pill, like IUDs. Um, are birth control that don't always stop conception, okay? And so um, what the conspiracy is of our pharmaceutical companies and the abortion industry is, and this happened decades ago, is to redefine pregnancy as implantation, not conception, right? So conception is when the egg and the sperm meet, and there's penetration by that sperm into that egg, right? And then that fertilized person, that actual, you know, human being, floats down and lodges itself, implants in the womb, right? And so all that time, which sometimes is a week, right? All that time, the 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 abortion industry and the pharmaceutical companies want to say that that's not a baby until implantation. Now, there are, there are absolutely insane people who say it's not a baby until it comes out of the birth canal, right? Which, is, which even a lot of secular atheists are disgusted by, right? But, but the, the pharmaceutical companies have redefined um, certainly redefined it as implantation being that. And so there are three mechanisms to the pill. One is to inhibit fertilization. One is to um, inhibit implantation and make uh, implantation in uh, the womb an inhospitable place. And what's the third? Uh, what am I forgetting? Um, oh, to, you know, to, to keep the, the egg from... Uh, presenting itself for fertilization. And so it's supposed to do all those, but sometimes it does none of them. And so you have what are called breakthrough pregnancies. Okay? And despite, um, despite that, there was a fertilized egg. That egg, uh, from that moment, in our view, is a person is a human being that bears the image of God, and so to take the life of that human being is, is to commit murder, is to break the sixth commandment. And would that the Republicans actually believe that. <laughs> but they don't. They don't. They're weak in their faith, right? And many of them don't have faith. And so they're just not committed to these things. And so what is, so that's, you know, IUDs, the pill, uh, function in this way. And there are breakthrough pregnancies that happen. And, um, 
And anything after fertilization, we say, yes, that, that is a being created in the image of God, therefore precious. Therefore, it should have equal protection under the law. It should be um, unconscionable to think of, of killing that being. But again, it's hard for us to love the things we don't see. It's especially hard for us to love those things that are one day old that we don't see. That to us seems like it's expendable. Like we do need some grace period in which we're, we're like, ah, I don't know. You know, but that, that flies in the face not only of the faith, but of science even, Right? And so, why, why go to Luke 1, 26 through 56? Well, think about this. Think about the timing of all of this. The, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're, you're going to have a baby. She's like, I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen? The angel explains to her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So conception will happen by the work of the Holy Spirit in one of her eggs, right? Jesus got his humanity from Mary. And, um, but this is a conception unlike ordinary generation, right? You and I were conceived by uh, the, the uh, egg and the sperm coming together in an ordinary fashion. Jesus was conceived by an ordinary egg and the Holy Spirit bringing life, okay? And so um, that's different and wonderfully different because that means that Jesus didn't inherit the corruption of Adam. He was born in the likeness of sinful flesh. That means he lived... Um, suffering, uh, hunger, and things like that, but he was born without that corruption that you and I inherit by ordinary generation. Okay, and so, but, but think about this. And, and then the angel says, look, this is going to be great. Even Elizabeth is pregnant. She's old, but she's in her sixth month. Um, how wonderful. Nothing will be impossible with God. The angel's kind of like, you know, this is great. Look at this. And then Mary said, um, all right, um, I'm a slave of the Lord. I'll, you know, make it so. I'll do as you say. And the Lord departed from her. And then verse 39, now at this time, that very time, so the angel comes to her and says, at this time, right, at that time, right after the angel is visitor, she arose, went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, so that she could go greet Zacharias and Elizabeth. So it's like she heard from the angel and booked it over to Elizabeth and their home. And their home was about, um, I think... Where did I read it in here? I think the home was some 80 miles away. <clears throat> we don't really know where their home is, but the traditional place of where we think it is was about um, 80 miles away. And 
She enters into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is what? The fruit of your womb. She's pregnant now. Her womb is fruitful. She's pregnant at that point, which means how old is Jesus or how young could Jesus be as a man? Probably three days. I mean, he's three days old. I mean, if it took her, if it took her a, lo- a week to travel that, that 80 miles, which it might have, right? He's still less than two weeks old at this point. And John is kicking his mom in the gut because Jesus is there, right? And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus is there. And Mary is going to sing in a minute, right? Because Jesus is in her womb. And this is a very, very tiny, maybe, um, you know, we could number the cells, Jesus in the womb. And so, let me just read you some, some of what was written in the abortion uh, in the church document. We wrote this, One of the most beautiful things about recovering the personhood of the embryo created by God and only a couple days old is that we recover the beauty and wonder of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. When we sing, Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Our thoughts naturally turn to a visible baby bump, baby bump and Jesus residing there with blessed Mary resting her hands on her belly, radiating her love to the Son of God. Which is to say, who thinks of our Lord's incarnation when it is but a day or two old? The King of Glory, though, uh, the King of glory, th- glory through whom the stars were formed. And the earth holds together yet today, dignified the embryonic life of each of us by living that life himself. This is amazing and must surely instruct us concerning reverence due to the embryonic life. He still creates and places in woman the life giver. We may callously dismiss this life, but we do so forgetting the Son of Man was himself a mere second old and was that very second fully man and fully God. Would we dare to deny his personhood the millisecond after the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she became pregnant with the Savior of the world? And if we would not deny his personhood at that moment, why would we deny any baby's personhood whom Jesus himself bothered, uh, brothered, whom Jesus himself brothered by his own conception? Theologian Thomas Torrance writes, The Son of God became a human being for us in the womb of the Virgin Mary, Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He became what we are. Think of the importance of the incarnation then for our understanding of and regard for the unborn child. Every child in the womb has been brothered by the Lord Jesus. In becoming a human being for us, he also became an embryo for the sake of all embryos. And for our Christian understanding of the being, nature, and status in God's eyes of the unborn child. So to take no thought or no proper thought for the unborn child is to have no proper thought of Jesus himself as our Lord and Savior, or to appreciate 
his relation as the incarnate creator to every human being. Um, and then the document works through what I just worked through in that passage. And, um, and then asks the question, so how old is our Lord at this moment? Our best guess is somewhere between a week of age, is somewhere around a week of age. We're not sure Mary left to visit Elizabeth the same day she received the prophecy. She may have left a day or two later, but what we do know is that as the angel Gabriel left her, it was at this time that she arose and went in a hurry. Various guesses are made about the town Mary traveled to and its distance. If we accept church tradition, the village was Ein Karim, about 80 miles from Nazareth, so it took Mary about a week to get there. If our Lord took up his embryonic residence in Mary's womb immediately upon Gabriel's departure, right as Mary began hurrying to Elizabeth's home, Jesus was likely somewhere between seven and ten days old. If Mary conceived our Lord halfway through her journey, Jesus was likely somewhere between three and seven days old. Stop and consider that little ones normally take five or six days to implant themselves on the wall of their mother's uterus, it's possible then, and maybe even likely, that as his mother traveled, Jesus did also, moving towards the rest, safety, and nourishment of, of attachment to Mary's womb. Jesus brothered us at conception, not any time later, not at implantation, not at quickening, not at birth. His conception, no less than his implantation, quickened, uh, quickening and birth redeemed our own conception, no less than our own implantation, quickening and birth. There is no place for the follower of Jesus Christ to kill any human being at any stage of life which he, our Lord Jesus, blessed by living it with and for us. No Christian kills an embryo any more than he or she kills a newborn baby with Down syndrome or an elderly parent who's had a stroke. We protect the weak and vulnerable. We do not kill them. So that's, that's this document, which again, if you haven't read, you're negligent. And you should. It's good stuff uh, such as that. But that one, I didn't want you to get away from this without contemplating. The fact that Jesus, three days old, traveling down the fallopian tube as, as Mary traveled to visit Elizabeth. It's sort of mind-boggling. It's not what we picture in our minds. We don't often contemplate the, the timing of all these events, but it does seem clearly that that verse 39, now at this time Mary Rose went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Nazareth, or city of Judah, just seems to say, make this point. She's going quickly. And by the time she gets there, they're rejoicing in Jesus Christ, born of a woman. Not born, but conceived in a woman. So, um, that's what I want you to contemplate today. That's what I want you to think about. I want, to think, I want you to think about the fact that when you were conceived in your parents' womb, you were, you were created in the image of God a millisecond after that fertilization. You know? 
And it's not something we think about often. And I want, I want us to consider the fact of, of the, the wreckage, the body count. Let's call it the body count, which is one of the sections of this, this document, is to attempt to come by the use of statistics to some sort of body count um, if you factor in chemical, um, medical, uh, and contraceptive abortions, then you know we're 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 likely past the two billion point in the last century. In this century, two billion, and to, and all of those two billion were created in the image of God, knit together in their mother's womb by God Himself. And bloodthirsty, godless men attacked that image of God in man. And in attacking the image of God in man, who are you attacking? You're attacking God. And you're, you're screaming to the world that I will not have God as my God when you attack the image bearers of God. And so, you know, we, we, wonder, we wonder why... Uh, I mean, the mind boggles, doesn't it? You wonder why um, there's such hardness of heart when it comes to the preaching of the gospel. We wonder why there's such callousness. We wonder why that there isn't revival in our time. You know, do we need to look past this? Do we need to look past this? Or should this be sort of the center of it that we have committed two billion acts of murder when God said that he hadn't even imagined that you would take your children and burn them to Moloch? It hadn't even occurred to God who knows all things. That's what it says in Jeremiah. Right? It's mind-boggling. And so, um, so the incarnation, you know, this isn't your <laughs> frilly, you know, um, Santa Claus, Santa hat sort of incarnation message, which always just makes me want to vomit this time of year anyway. All right, but this is the true Son of God and Him amazingly uh, a, a, a split cell at one point. You know, he divided into two cells at one point. The Son of God, Almighty God, two cells. It's, 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 it's unfathomable. We just can't even wrap our head around it. But we have to remember that life in the womb is the work of God and that any conception in the womb being the work of God and that personhood that resides in that being at that time and the image of God they bear, every birth is, is like a miracle. Right? It's like, it's glorious. It's, it's, 
so evidently the work of God. I mean, who even knows how the bones of man are formed in the womb? Says Solomon in Ecclesiastes. You know, who even knows? I mean, it's just like, whoa. It's the work of God. It's the very work of God. And so, um, so help people to see this. Help people to understand this. Don't do so as a, as a zealot. Don't do so having thinking that you've never committed your own murders. You have. You've hated people. Right? But do so and just say, look, let us repent. I mean, the, the church has had for decades nothing to say about contraception and in most cases probably recommends it. Birth control that ends up killing children. Right? We've just been mealy-mouthed about it. We just have been, right? Um, and repent of your use of it. And repent of, of um, not wanting to think about the day-old child in the womb. Right? Out of sight, out of mind. Repent of that and remember uh, the incarnation of God. Remember that little one f- f- traveling down the fallopian tubes as Jesus goes to a visit, visit her relative Elizabeth. And so this is why, this is why we're, we're out at that abortion clinic telling women who are likely about three to four weeks along that they shouldn't do this. Don't commit murder. What you have in your womb is precious in the sight of God. He has given you this. And, and, and so um, that's why we're there, and that's why it's only Christians who are there. Um, well, it's not only Christians who are there. The, the, the atheists who, who um, have their body count that reaches up into the heavens. Right? They have their own body count. And, um, and yet they boast in it. They rejoice in it. They laugh and delight in it. They want, they boast about killing their children. Um, you know, the, the, the vileness of the escorts almost makes you sympathetic toward mothers who are going in there killing their babies. But on the other hand, you know, the, the escorts are a distraction to what's really going on there, that a mother and a father are going there to kill their child. And so we can't lose, we can't get distracted from what's going on here. And I, I realize that this, but again, I'll reiterate, this is not the work. Work at the abortion clinic is not for everybody. You have to gird up your loins. You have to have some strength. Um, you can't go there if you're fearful. You'll, you'll, um, you'll get angry if you're fearful. You'll just get angry at all the spit and venom that's coming towards you. And, uh, and so you can't go. Um, but there need, to, there need to be people out there that are um, testifying to this and, and warning I'm so gr- grateful for the number of churches that do send people out there. 
uh, to, um, to witness. But from what I'll, I've said, and, in all, and if there was any courage in the, the South Carolina legislature, places like that could be gone. And then it's like, what do we do? Go to pharmacies to protest at pharmacies who are prescribing abortifacient contraceptives? Oh, brother, I don't want to do that. I mean, I write, might, I'm more likely to run into somebody I know at Ingalls than I am at the abortion clinic. And that would be really embarrassing. Wouldn't it? It would be horrible. It would be really horrible to be seen as a fool for Christ like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know what our strategy would become if in this state the clinics were closed. Where, where would we go? And, and get this, more than 50% of abortions today are committed by chemicals and all those things you can get online sent to your mailbox. And so abortions are now happening in the privacy of our own homes, not at abortion clinics and not with doctors, right? It's just self so what do they call it? Self, uh, yeah, self-administered medicine, um, self-care, I think is what they call it. You know, take the first pill, then you know, um, suffer incredible cramping. Take the second pill and get rid of the baby. All done, and the husband the boyfriend may never even know about it. Certainly the mother and father might not, and certainly the church wouldn't. So, who knows what to do, but we just have to awaken consciences by saying Jesus was a, was a two-celled baby in the womb of his mother and dignified that, and, and, and so don't attack what... what what um, God has done and how Jesus has brothered us in the womb. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your mercy to us in Christ. Father, we ask that you would forgive us for our murder and our adultery and our, um, our violation of your commandments. And Father, we pray that you would give us broken hearts and repentance, and Lord, that we would also stand now, uh, having lifted up our heads uh, for what is good and true, and that we would do so with humility, and that we would uh, never stop examining ourselves and announcing to the world that, that babies in the womb are persons because Jesus was in the womb as a person. So help us with this task. Give us wisdom for the, the new fronts and the new things that we have to speak to and understand. Give us wisdom and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.